on RSN 9-7, the Racing and Sports Rundown. Well, good morning and welcome to another edition of the Racing and Sports Rundown. Brad Bishop in the host chair here in Melbourne. I'll be joined shortly by Simon Dinopoulos and Adam Blenko. And what a day of racing we have got to look forward to. The last few weeks we've been talking a little bit of footy as well as the races. But today it is just all about the racing and we'll probably focus heavily on Caulfield because I suppose we're still a little bit up in the air as to what's going to happen up in Sydney going ahead at this stage on a heavy 10. But the forecast does not look great. So that means we can really sink our teeth into the Caulfield card. We've got the Guineas, we've got the Might and Power, we've got the Turak. We've got a fantastic support card and we've got a great team to talk about it. It's one of my favourite days of the year, Reduce Choice and Testa Rossa. That's my most uh, fond memory of the uh, Caulfield Guineas. But the Might and Power, I absolutely love this race. The clashes between Lonro and Sunline, Might and Power and Tycoon Lil, they really got the juices flowing. And today we have got a fantastic edition of that race. I'll bring Adam Blenko into the coverage because he does not shut up about a race at Caulfield very often. We've got a late scratching that's just come through for Caulfield. Race 10, number 7, Ancient Girl has come out. So race 10, number 7, Ancient Girl. Well, that is hot off the press, uh, and it uh, just meant that you were hanging a little bit there, Adam, and it gave you a little bit more time to talk about your favourite Caulfield Guineas Day memory. Now, I know you absolutely love the Coongee Cup. That is the race that gets you up and about. Anyone that follows you on Twitter would know about that. But what about Caulfield Guineas Day? What's your favourite memory from Guineas Day? Yeah, it's a it's a perfect entree to Coongee Day on the Wednesday, isn't it? Um, I reckon Caulfield Guineas Day sticks in the memory more than most. I reckon it's one of those days where you, when you said, by the way, off the top, we'll uh, we'll ask you for your favourite Caulfield Guineas Day memory. I there were plenty, um, and you've mentioned Reduce and Testarossa there, and been a couple of clashes like that in the Guineas. We had Piero versus All Too Hard, but I'll throw up um, Helmet versus Manawanui for the sheer chaos of it. That was a fast and, and fabulous guineas, and, and for those of us who like playing with speed figures, that was a, a lot of fun both before, during, and, and after to rate as well. So Helmet versus Manawanui was probably my favourite Caulfield guineas, and Classic Punter talking through my kick. Desperado won the might and power that day at a good price. <laughs> I did see someone on Twitter early in the week putting out a call to see a replay of that Helmet Manawanui guineas, and it's probably one that we don't see as often as we probably should because it was an absolutely classic race and it was a fantastic call by Greg Miles. Simon Dinopoulos, what's your favourite uh, memory from the day we've got ahead of us today? Well, I wouldn't say I'm as old as you two, so my memory doesn't stretch back as oh. far. <laughs> <laughs> no, mine, uh, I'll definitely talk through my kick. 2016, uh, Divine Profit won the Caulfield Guineas. Global Glamour came down off the flight, won the 1,000 guineas, and I think had everything rolling into star turn in the Scalacci. So you never forget those days. It was one of my best at the track or on the track, and certainly Caulfield Guineas Day since then has been one of my favourites. Everything rolling into star turn in the last. There might be a little bit of that today at Caulfield with a certain horse, and we mm-hmm. might even touch on that. But let's get into the main races. We'll talk about the guineas. It's There's been a bit of chat this week about it not being the strongest guineas of all time, and uh, I don't even think the Melbourne Racing Club would argue with that. But what the compilation of a race like today does bring is uh, a really even contest, and it opens it up for a lot of debate, and the, the horse that stands out from a ratings perspective is Golden Mile, but he ha- does have that question mark about running 1,600 metres. How have you assessed this race from a ratings perspective and trying to find the winner, Adam? Yeah, I think it's pretty straightforward from a, a ratings perspective. It's it's Golden Mile or bust. Um, 
I think you make a good point about it. it might not be the strongest guineas, but the club wouldn't be worried about that or, or shouldn't shy away from that because the guineas is that sort of race that's going to have a different sort of look about it in a lot of years where it's really at the mercy of the, the group of three-year-olds that are sweeping through. And we've seen this crop um, come through on, on the low side and probably you know, impacted by what's been a you know, tremendously wet autumn as, as two-year-olds. And, and that's sort of the, the place where Guineas winners are formed is, is in their sort of two-year-old autumns, if, if you like. So um, we saw far fewer horses going to the races at two and, and that's resulted in far fewer established stars. So it's, um, it's probably more of a launching pad this year than, than a clash between established stars. So the days of sort of helmets and all too hard versus Piero, that sort of stuff, we don't have anything like that, of course. Um, but it's still an interesting puzzle and, and a, a really interesting one, as you say, f- taking the ratings perspective of, you know, of, of the guineas. It's um, there's really only one horse within cooey of what would typically win a guineas, and, and that's Golden Mile, who comes up favourite. And I think individually there are there are plenty of improvers underneath him, and it's very tempting to go looking for improvers. And I absolutely love going looking for those improvers. And there's there's pre- plenty of lively types, but individually they all face a massive task. As a group, they can obviously you know they can have plenty of shots at it there with with talented horses who might be able to leapfrog Golden Mile. But he um as an individual, as I said, yeah, he, he stands right out because those trial winners in Melbourne, Tijuana, Berkeley Square, they're running about 105. Tijuana's running 105 and looking to do it being well used. Berkeley Square's running 105 and looking like he's probably better that, than that with a better opportunity. So he's probably the one most likely to take a leap out of those trial winners. Ellipticals, the trendy sectionals horse, Elliptical, he took ages to get organised at, at Sandown, but he really was running through the line like he was going to do something better up to a mile. But it's still a big jump. It's a big jump to get up to Golden Mile. So if you think he stays and, and you think he'll run to his Golden Rose rating or a little bit better up to the mile, then I am... Um, I think you're probably with him at, at two to one, and I can see that he would be the sort of horse that a, a few of the deeper pockets would be keen to get behind as well, because he he's not only the rating standout, but he does have the power of James Cummings and McDonald behind him, which is um, very appealing. So, does he stay a mile? That's the question. Brad, you tried to answer that during the week. I, I tried, did a little bit of an investigation. Now, this wasn't an editorial. This was just purely a factual piece. I, I haven't made my mind up either way whether. Golden Mile is going to run 1,600 metres, but I looked at the results of his progeny astern and where his winners have come from since he has been at stud. Now, he's had 115 winners. 97 of them have been in races up to 1,499 metres from 725 runners. So that's a strike rate of 13.38%. But when you look at 1,500 metres beyond, he's had 18 winners, from 276 starters, so that's a strike rate of 6.52%. So he's striking around about half as much beyond 1,500 metres as what he does up to that trip, which is probably not a huge surprise for sons and daughters of a horse who was as sharp as what Astern was. But it just muddies the waters a little bit in relation to trying to work out whether he runs the 1,600 metres or not. Simon, what are your thoughts on this? And also the fact from your point of view, you're the guy that specialises in Sydney form here, which is generally a default position when you're talking about trying to find the, the Caulfield Guineas winner. It's not uncommon for horses to come down out of the Golden Rose and show up the Melburnians. Yeah, they have a fantastic record, horses off the Golden Rose. It's interesting how you run a rating. You can run the same rating, but how you do it is very uh, important in this sense. Golden Mile's 
115 off the Golden Rose obviously stands out like a beacon, as Adam mentioned, in regards to Berkeley Square being the main danger. It's a 10-pound difference between them on last start rating. So a big jump, but he ran it differently to previous uh, Golden Rose runners going towards the Guineas. It didn't scream, I'm looking for further. Uh, Zoo Tiger kicking back and beating him. I mean, what price would... Zoo Tiger being the guineas, he was 20s all in. I don't think he'd start 20s, but he's probably a double-figure chance, maybe just outside Berkeley Square. So for Golden Mile to sort of be inside 2-1, to one, which he isn't anymore, that was the big set I had against him during the week if he was going to be sub 2-1. to one. Uh, He gets out to sort of 350 or bigger. Uh, that rating is just going to keep staring at me in the face. And if it wins and he's 350, uh, you're going to feel pretty silly uh, come this afternoon. So... I'm more price dependent. I think if they bet 350, I'll be on. Uh, anything less than that, uh, I'll be letting it go. But a very interesting race to assess uh, because, as I mentioned, his run in Sydney didn't scream he wanted further and nothing in the breeding suggests he does either. Uh, but he gets James Cummings and James McDonald from a good draw. So, yeah, both sides of the fence. And I could easily see people declaring him immoral and I could easily see people, you know, saying he won't run a mile. So, yeah, a great race and really fascinating to see how it plays out this afternoon. All right, Simon, is price dependent? If someone forced you for a tip, Adam, as I am doing right now, who would you be with in the guineas? <laughs> well, I've got to say, if they bet 350 golden mile and he wins, I won't be feeling silly. I'll be feeling thrilled because I'll be uh, <laughs> I'll be absolutely steamrolling 350 if, if they get it. He's the obvious tip. If I had to go searching, and I have for a flyer, I think Elliptical is the one who might profile best. I like Barrier 1 for him as well. It's the old rocks and diamonds barrier, which is exactly what you want when you're, um, when you're playing at those sort of odds. So I think he can settle closer. He's got Blake Shin, who I think is a jockey you really want to be finding over the next month. He's... Um, his numbers are better than his winning record at the moment, Blake, and, and once he starts getting on the right horses, he'll um, he'll start pouring in winners, I, I suspect. And Elliptical fits something like the bill. Right, Elliptical at a price, uh, Golden Mile at his price, and maybe even a little bit better, he's 310 at the moment. I'm not necessarily against him, but I'm with Berkeley Square. That's the horse that I'm going with today. I have loved his preparation, what he's done. Ratings-wise, he does have to step up, but... I don't think we saw the best of him last start. Craig Williams, it was an arrogant ride. The horse was able to get him out of trouble. And I'm very confident that he can take the step up today in what has been a target race for him for quite a few weeks now. So Berkeley Square for me. We might have a quick look at the uh, the might and power while we're rolling here on these Caulfield Group 1s. What a race we've got here. We touched on it last week. I suggested that generally the Cox Plate is made up of horses that... You might get half a division that comes through the uh, the race we've got today and then one or two runners who are coming out of the Turnbull. But you look at this field today, I reckon any Australian horse that can win the Cox Plate is at Caulfield today. Most of them are in this race here, not discounting I Wish I Win, who we might talk about a little bit later on. But this is what we can say, a Cox Plate entree. How to try and work this one out, Adam? Mini Cox Plate, drink. <laughs> I said entree, I didn't say Mini Cox Plate. <laughs> um, well, I will. It's a Mini Cox Plate. Um, I think it's a really interesting race. I'm not as sold on, on Animo at that price as I am probably some of... It's a real day for obvious favourites, and I suppose he stamps himself the, the obvious favourite, and he's the the number one seed at the moment. But it is interesting. This is... This is real competition now, and I, I think it's a, a much stiffer test of his talents. I don't think we're... Um, I wrote during the week, it's sort of... The Caulfield Stakes has often been a, a place to sort of pay tribute to a champion. We've had lots of big big names win at odds on in the in the Caulfield Stakes, and we've clapped them around and waved flags and 
and enjoyed the superstars. Whereas I think this is a test for Animo. This is competition today. It's it's not um it's not a procession for him. That's for for sure. And yeah, look, he's he's won both his starts this time in nicely. He's won three Group One since we last saw him run an absolute blinder and I think winner Cox Plate. Um, He's beaten a couple of mares who were closing him down at the finish of slowly run group ones in Sydney this time in that are nothing like Zaki Thunderstruck or Alligator Blood or even Mr Brightside. So um, a much, much stiffer test for him. I'm, I find it a hard race to, to be really warm on, on having a bet. I think it's, it's better sport than it is betting-wise. Um, but I did think it was interesting that Thunderstruck's Maccabi Diva win was good enough and I think justified his being heavily gambled to beat Zaki in, in the Underwood and others um, and very quickly off a less than satisfactory test I'm saying around Sandown he's sort of been abandoned and, and is now well outside Zaki so Zaki has map advantages and, and Zaki's a very good horse but I think if there's a if there's a betting angle in there for me it's that I, I think Thunderstruck can probably justify his uh, his starting inside Zaki last start and deserves to be second pick in what should be a Awesome contest, and I think Sandown actually sets it up a bit as well because they jiggy jogged around Sandown. I think a few jockeys are onto that now. I think we'll see Zaki sort of lean into Alligator Blood a, a little bit harder. We'll see Mark Zara a little bit uh, twitchier earlier. I suspect on on Thunderstruck from that inside barrier as well. So that probably adds a little bit of little bit of flair to it as well. That sort of expectation. We sort of know how it's going to unfold, so it'll um, it'll build. And I'm actually looking forward to Matt Hill's call of it all as well. It's going to be a great race, Simon. Is it is it unfair to say that Animo's bringing the the B grade form down from Sydney? <laughs> We've got Zaki Thunderstruck, Alligator Blood, Mister Brightside coming through that Underwood Stakes, which rated better than what Animo's win did in the in the George Main Stakes, um, which is I suppose he's considered the class horse, but he's coming and meeting these horses that are that, were, that battled it out against each other in a strong race last time out. I'd argue the top sort of four in the betting, Animo's probably got the weakest form of the four of them. He, the What's He Beaten Brigade, when you, Animo's record is outstanding. Nine wins, 18 starts, seven placings. His only miss really was in the QE where he raced Zaki and Thunderstruck, ran last that day, didn't handle the track. But if you go through his record, he hasn't really beat anything. Um, he, Finished behind overpass, he fell in against Halal, Converge beat him, he then trounced them in the Rose Hill Guineas and then down the track in the QE and then he's beaten Fangirl and I will add that first up run, Profondo was right in the finish as well and then he's beaten Ice Bath, Hinge has since ran well in the Epsom but this is so far from an Epsom it's not funny so I really can't understand how he's so heavily found, I think everyone wants him to be a champion but he's so far from being or earning the right to be 230 against the likes of Zaki and I'm Thunderstruck, Alligator Blood, even Mwanga, you know, in there as well. So, yeah, I don't think it's justified that he's as short as he is. I think the Australian racing public is hoping Animo is the horse that the market's priced him up to be at the moment. Um, but on form and on facts and figures, he's only got a pound up his sleeve on Zaki. So, yeah, I, I don't see it at the moment. I'm hoping he does come out because... We do love hailing a champion, but he's not there yet. Is it a watch race for you, or you're keen to have a bet in one of those who you might be getting a better price about? Yeah, I didn't understand this when I was younger, a watch race, but as I've gotten older, <laughs> I've realised that, yeah, this uh, this is just a watch race. There's no need to have a bet. Just enjoy uh, what should be a, you know, a fascinating race. And 
Thunderstruck inside draw. Adam mentioned it before with elliptical rocks or diamonds. It is going to be rocks or diamonds, but no better than Mark Zara from that draw. And you just get the feeling he's going to make something happen after he would have been disappointed with his ride last start. And I agree with Adam. How is the market so reactive? Uh, they finished alongside each other, Zaki and Thunderstruck. So, yeah, I, I have to agree with Adam. It's a shame. I don't like doing that. But if there is an <laughs> angle price-wise, it would be uh, on Thunderstruck. Yeah, I don't mind Alligator Blood each way. He's done nothing wrong uh, in any of his runs this campaign. We doubted him at 1,800 metres last time out, and many uh, probably thinking he might be suspect at the 2,000 metres, but he ran the 1,800 right out last time round, and he's, you can get probably $7 in each way odds about him, so I'm happy mm. to go with Alligator is, Blood each way. It is an absolute each way burglar's race, a dead eight with a short price favourite. You're thieving money there. <laughs> well, let's, let's just <laughs> keep our fingers crossed that he runs top three for us. We've, we're going a little bit over time. We've got to get to a break now. We'll come back on the other side of that and we'll have a chat about the other group one at Caulfield, the Turak Handicap. On RSN 927, the Racing and Sports Rundown. And we are now turning our attention to the Turak Handicap. This is another race where we've got a short price favourite. It's a horse that many have seemed destined to land a Group 1. He didn't get a crack at it in the Sir Rupert Clark Stakes being the second emergency, but I wish I win. Goes around in the Turak, $2.30. Adam, is he our winner? Oh, I think you'd, you'd be trying to be very clever to say that he's not the, the clear and dominant favourite. I think the story of the race outside of I wish I win lies with Uncle Bryn and what he's doing here and leaving a Coonji <laughs> on the table. The Coonji's there for the taking. He might back up. Is he among oh. the noms? I'll have to double check that. I could only assume. I could only assume they wouldn't be. They wouldn't make such a ridiculous decision as to take the perfect Coonji horse and walk away from it. Surely, maybe they think he's got a Group One in him. Maybe they do. Maybe they do. But I can't believe anyone would turn their back on the Coonji. But yeah, I think I wish I win. It's sort of the the theme of the day in a way. He's a, a very obvious and and very clear favourite. If you want to go looking away from him, though, I think you'll find more fertile territory here than, than probably in some of the other races because they're, they're lining up with, you know, there are very good horses that you can make plausible cases for around him. Those horses off the Rupert Clark can all run well again and probably fancy them in, in about the same order that they, they finished there the other day. Converge is an interesting horse to me because he's run two poor races in Sydney this time, but we're, we're talking about Animo, you know, being the big champion of the Australian turf and, and off to the Cox Plate. Well, Converge is rock and rolled him over a mile um so there's not been any sign of it in two runs this time in but you do have something that you can desperately cling on to it at big odds there if, if you want to go surfing away from the the obvious favorite and i think he's you know he's probably one to ping into your quaddies and, and you could almost make a case that halal fits the same mold absolute stinker in the in the rupert clark but i think we can be fairly forgiving of that and i tell you halal has done that before he's uh He's bounced back and won off poor runs before, and he's got that little bits and pieces of form around Animo that say, on his day, when he's having a go, he's something like good enough halal. So there are interesting horses. It's a, it's a deep race away from the favourite, but I'm not clever enough to, to come here and tell you that he shouldn't be favourite or that he's not the one they have to beat. Anything you can make a case for at longer odds, Simon, in that race? No, no, this is a good thing. This will just win. Okay. They horse, horses horses don't do what he did last start. He was in trouble, and then he's ended up walking in. So, I think bad luck's his only danger. If I don't mind the wide draw with him either, I think it gives Nolan plenty of options, and he'll blend into the race. And the fact is, he's a wait for age horse in in the making, and none of the horses in this field are even close to that. So, 
I think if he gets the right run, uh, he should be, I'd say he'll be a pretty impressive winner of the race. Yeah, and This did... has been a disappointing showing from our Sydney expert to come <laughs> on here and cold water golden mile, the animo forms junk, this Melbourne horse will just absolutely tonk these Sydney horses in the Turak. <laughs> yeah, that's very unusual. Well, what, what about Zapateo? Are we, we're claiming her. Her last start was down here, but oh, uh, she been, started at the Valley. Yeah, but she'd been campaigning up in Sydney before that, and I touched on it before. Favorite last race on Guineas Day. My golly, that you'd expect there'll be some multis rolling into Zapateo. One out in the last leg of the Quaddy. Is she susceptible? You go, Simo. You'll be more bullish than me. Yeah, I don't. I don't... I don't think so. I mean, two tens getting in very short. Of the two shorties to round out the day, I'd rather back uh, I Wish I Win. I think he's got a bigger ratings edge than Zapateo does, but it's Damien Oliver from a wide draw, and I'd imagine uh, soft six, all reports of tracks held up really well, so I don't think the draw is an issue for her. She handles the ground, and I think she's if she repeats what she did last start, obviously... She's clearly the one to beat, but she's certainly well found. And yes, there'll be plenty of multis uh, anchored into her, I would imagine. And if the first few get home, there's going to be a few nervous watches uh, from that wide draw, Adam. Yeah, I can I can see that it's actually hard to go. It runs very thin, this race. You very quickly get down to horses that you think, gee, I, I don't fancy myself backing them. So I think the pride of Geelong, Victoria's own Zapateo, um, <laughs> she uh, she can make that Geelong maiden form shine in the last of the valley. I think another one, like the danger to me, and the, maybe the only really plausible danger is uh, is Sarah Des, who was terrible first up, but she's been a much better second up mare, and, and her wins over in Adelaide you can sort of tie that in through another award and, and give her a really good you know chance of running a much better race than than she did first up and it's a sad day actually because on my form print i have 11 starts that's just how how my form print works and today will be the day the last day that written beauties two to one versus eduardo and nature strip sits on the page it's about to drop off next time she runs there will no longer be written beauty two to one versus eduardo and, and nature strip so a very sad day to see that drop off the form print because I smile and laugh every time I see it. And that, my friends, <laughs> is how Adam Blinko's mind works. <laughs> In terms of best bets for the day, I've actually got Zapateo as my best. I wish I win the next best. Now, one at value that I like... Sweetened each way in race number three on the card. Uh, I loved her win at Geelong. Don't mind the wide draw. I think she's a filly going places, so there's a little bit of value for you. We've only got three minutes left, boys. Just some quick best bets from Caulfield. Very Geelong vibes from you. Geelong maidens everywhere you look. Zapateo and, and Sweetened. Well, it is the form at the moment. It is the form. The they are. Geelong is the place to be. Um, I never thought I'd say that. Uh, best for me was Zephus in, in race four. So on a very blue jacket day, I'm, um, I'm stumping up for one there in, in Zephus who was back at the valley, gelded and, and looked strong in a, in a strongly run race to, to me at the valley. And I think he can go right on with that. So Zephus in race four is my best. All right, beautiful. Now we've got a couple of minutes to talk about, uh, Randwick, Simon. We didn't, we didn't put this one on the rundown because we weren't sure whether it was going to go ahead, but they're on at this stage. The floor is yours. You talk about whatever you want at Randwick for two minutes. Yeah, you can tell we're uh, we're on Melbourne radio, aren't we? Oh, they're racing in Sydney today, are they? Oh, I didn't even realise. Uh, no, I think the meeting will go ahead. All reports spoke to my brother this morning. The weather in Sydney is fantastic, so it's meant to turn this afternoon. But hopefully, we get in in time. And yeah, best for me comes up in the gloaming stakes, Williamsburg. I loved his win 
last weekend. Had to make a long sustained run from the tail and rounded them up. His class shone. First time we get to see him beyond a mile. He's out of Fenway. I think he'll relish the conditions. And he's king of the swamp. He won on the day that the, the meeting actually got called off the race after. So... This is his conditions, uh, sharp and smart. The Kiwi comes up favourite. He's never seen a wet track. He's bred to, but it has to be a massive query. And political debate comes out, but there was nothing between the pair of them in the Brisbane winter. And sharp and smart's first up win in New Zealand was as scuzzy as they come. And I had really nothing between the two, and yet sharp and smart is favourite. That's the bizarro for me this week at Ramwick. And Williamsburg, I've marked him clear favourite, and I think he'll be very hard to beat. Easy ride for Kieran McAvoy, just get him to the outside. And that's what he's done. So uh, so impressively on that horse in the past. Um, yeah, so Williams... Oh, and we've got to touch on the Silver Eagle, Brad. Go for Fine. the Eagle. I don't mind a couple at a big price in the Eagle. Lock Eagle, well-named, and also Kiss Sum. I think both of those horses at around about 12 or $13 can run a bit of a race. They would have run a race in the Epsom last week if they were campaigning that way, but that's another story <laughs> to begin with. Uh, the Silver Eagle, just on the race, uh, the three winners, the best they finished in the Golden Eagle subsequently was 10th. So whether or not this form is the form you want in sort of three weeks' time, we don't know, but I'm keen on Waterford. I think he's a really smart horse and loved his recent trial. I think a testing 1,300 off a four-week freshen is perfect. And all reports, he'll get the run of the, not run of the race, but I think they will be getting beyond the middle in the straight. So drawn wide is probably a plus, and I think he can round them up. So I actually do think Waterford can win here, and I think he can, you know, give a showing in the Golden Eagle. Oh, beautiful. Uh, what, what's on up there next week in Sydney? Are they racing, are they, Brad? I thought we were just doing <laughs> Melbourne. We might, uh, we might dedicate a little bit more time to Sydney next week because... Uh, it's a $15 million race who, uh, it doesn't matter where it's run, it's going to have some pretty good horses and it's of interest to us here in it's Victoria. It's an important McKinnon trial. <laughs> we are going to have a big talk about the Everest next week. It's Caulfield Cup Day. There's plenty of talk about great racing at Caulfield today. Thanks for joining us, boys. Best of luck today and to everyone out there having a play. We'll be back next week on Caulfield Cup Day.